take your copy of God's Word and open with us to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter number 16. We'll be looking at verses 15 and 16 here in a few minutes. Mark chapter number 16. Ash Wednesday was this past week. Uh, That's past Wednesday. And sadly, that means no more king cake for the Greer family. Sad emoji. But it also means that less than 40 days till Easter. Amen? Yes, the Ash Wednesday uh, to Easter Sunday is 40 days. And that 40 days is known as Lent. What is Lent? Lent is a time where one gives up something through fasting in an effort to say no to self and yes to the Lord. Now, we don't observe Lent here as a church, but we do observe saying no to self and yes to the Lord. And we're to do that daily. For Jesus says, if anyone come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. So we observe that daily. Well, Ash Wednesday this past week, I let a work out with a group of men. I encouraged those guys with ways they could say no to self and yes to the Lord. And I said, well, if I'm going to lead them out, I probably need to decide what I'm going to say no to. And so I decided Chick-fil-A waffle fries, which is pretty important for me. And as soon as I made that decision at 5 a.m. on Wednesday morning, this landed in my inbox, in my email inbox. I'm going to quote, it says, valid for one medium Chick-fil-A waffle potato fry, a free waffle fry. As soon as I made the decision. I hadn't received a reward from Chick-fil-A in months. Most of the time, it's something I don't want. They send me the very thing I want. Forty days before Easter begins this time of Lent. And I made a decision and I got a message that I would get one for free. Now, when we come to Mark 16, we're not 40 days before Easter. We're 40 days after the first Easter. Jesus is about to ascend at the right hand of the Father, but before he goes, he has some last words. And Jesus' last words before his ascent is our lasting work as we are sent. Let me say that again. Jesus' last words, the Great Commission, before he ascends is our lasting work as we are sent. So I want to speak to you on the subject today, Jesus hit sin. And when Jesus hit sin, several messages went out that we're going to dive into today. First thing we're going to do is read the text together. Mark chapter 16, I'm going to read verse 14, 15, 16. We'll unpack 15 and 16 together. So if you're in your place in Mark 16, say I'm there. All right, let's look at it together. Mark 16 verse 14 Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Gracious Father, we're so thankful that today we don't have to guess. We don't have to figure it out. You've given us our marching orders. You've told us why we exist 
as followers of Christ. You've given us our purpose, our commission. We're grateful for that. Lord, I pray today as we sit under the teaching of the Holy Spirit that you would give us the ability to obey what we hear, that we would be receptive to what we hear, that we would obey, that we would fall under conviction where we need to fall under conviction, that we would be challenged where we need to be challenged, we'd be encouraged where we need to be encouraged. Holy Spirit, help us make a decision that you're calling us to today. It's in Jesus' name, and God's people said, amen. Here's our takeaway. Let me go ahead and give it to you. Jesus sends the saved to the unsaved. That's what Jesus does. He he sends us. (laughs) He saves us, and then he sends us. He sends the saved to the unsaved. And so in these two verses, there are at least three messages that went out when Jesus hit Send. Here's the first message that went out when Jesus hit sin. The first message is this. Jesus' sending is inclusive in its scope. It's inclusive in its scope. And it's inclusive in a number of different ways. First of all, it's inclusive in who is being sent. Notice it says, and he said to them in verse 15. This is Jesus saying to his disciples. And those disciples include the them there, includes the disciples then, but it also includes disciples now. (laughs) Jesus is still saying to his disciples today. He's not saying at them. He's not saying about them. He's saying to them. See, this is not a suggestion. This is a commission. (laughs) It's not optional for a believer. Now, this is what Jesus, this is his last words to his disciples. This is the purpose of every church and every believer. Not just those 11 that were there 2,000 years ago, but to every single believer from the first century all the way to the 21st century. Every church and every believer, here's our commissioning. Jesus' ascending includes all believers, not just the 11 then. It's inclusive in that way, that it includes every single believer and every single church. In Matthew 25, 23, Jesus does not say, well done, good and faithful pastor. He doesn't say, well done, good and faithful professor. Or well done, good and faithful missionary. Or well done, good and faithful author. Or well done, good and faithful evangelist. Or well done, good and faithful preacher. Or well done, good and faithful influencer. Or well done, good and faithful worship leader. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. As followers of Christ, we are all sent servants. That's that's who we are. We are sent servants. And so it's inclusive in that way. It includes all of us who are in Christ. Okay, and now, so what what are we to do? What is he saying to us? Here's what he's saying to us. Go. Go means go. (laughs) It means leave and go. (laughs) Go does not mean stay. It doesn't mean wait. (laughs) It means go. As you're going, as you're living your life, as you're traveling, as you're proceeding, as you're conducting one's life, as you are living, go. 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 It's like uh, one pastor said it like this. Go ye means go me. (laughs) Exactly. We are called to go. Uh, Like, for example, our, our dog Bailey. When I tell Bailey to stay, she goes. 
When I tell Bailey to come, she goes, okay? <laughs> Where to go? God has called us, sent us, commissioned us, go. Where are we to go? He tells us, go into all the world. Well, what's all the world? It's the earth. It's every place where man, women, boys, and girls dwell. Where mankind dwells, we are to go. That includes local places. That includes global places. That includes international places and national places. That includes easy places. That includes not so easy places. That includes hard places. David Platt has said more than once, all the easy places are taken. (laughs) Got to go to the hard places. Right? This is what we're called to do. Wherever men dwell... Women dwell, boys and girls dwell, that's where we are to go. It's every place. Revelation tells us that in the end, God is going to gather His elect from the four corners of the earth. From every place that men dwell, that mankind lives, we are to go. Jesus' ascent means all believers are sent to all places and to all peoples. It doesn't mean that you're sent everywhere, but you're sent somewhere. Right? We're all sent somewhere. For this great commission to be fulfilled, every believer is a servant and is sent. And every people group and every nation and every tribe and every language has to have, before Jesus returns, has to have a gospel witness in their tribe, in their language, in their nation, in their people. That's what Matthew 24, 14 reads. For the gospel, this gospel will be proclaimed as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. Not before but after, then the end will come. So we're called to go. And as a church, uh, we have two places that we go internationally that are hard places. Because some places are easy, some places are hard. We go to some easy places, we go to some hard places. Two of the places we go are the top, on the top 50 list of the most difficult places for believers to live in. Two of them are there. In fact, every day, 13 of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world are killed for their faith. Twelve are arrested. Five are abducted. Why? Because it's not always safe. We're not called to play it safe. We're called to go. And so 309 million believers are right now living in very difficult, hard places. Last year it was 260 million. So it has increased from 260 to 309 million since last year. That tells me that COVID-19 doesn't stop the Great Commission. That's what that tells me. It just doesn't. Because God has commissioned this for us to go to all peoples and to all places. To go even to, notice what it says, to the whole of creation. In end of verse 15, look at that. The whole creation. That means not just the Jews or not just the Gentiles or not just the Gentiles or not just the Jews, but to everybody, to all peoples, every language, every tribe, every nation, even including those callers who are trying to reach you and to tell you about your car's extended warranty. <laughs> even those folks. Boy, I got convicted the other day pastor friend of mine called me and said, hey, one of my accountability partners, you know, asked me about I'm sharing the gospel and having gospel conversations, that kind of thing. And he said, you know what, me and my wife, we don't ever get off call list. I said, what are you talking about? He said, man, when people call us about our extended warranty, we talk to them every time. We never pass up an opportunity. We tell them, yeah, sure, you can tell me about the extended warranty as long as I can tell you about an eternal warranty. 
said, every conversation I have, I'm pointing to the gospel. I felt about this big. I get so frustrated when they call me and tell me, for the 100th time, this is your last time to extend your warranty. Here's what we have to realize, church. People in this world, in this city, in this community, in this state, in this nation, and around the world, they may never come to church. People may never come to church. But church, we must go to the people. We must. I don't know if you've noticed this, but people aren't lining up to get in here today. They're not lining up down Dayton Boulevard. Now tomorrow to get a box of food, they'll be lined up. All up and down the day. But they're not lining up to come to church. They'll line up to get a vaccine. They'll line up to go to Disney World. And they'll pay to do that. But they, they're not lining up to come to church. Because the church has been commissioned to go to the people. <laughs> so people may never come to church. But we must always go to the people. I read, read a story about these two Floridian ladies who wanted the vaccine. They weren't of the age where you can get it right now. And so they disguised themselves, as the article said, grannies, and put on a wig and bonnets and glasses and gloves and tried to sneak in and get their vaccine. It didn't work, but they gave it a valiant effort to get in and get their vaccine. People are not trying their best to get into the church. The church, we must go to the people. And I know there's a lot of conversation about, man, we must be in the last days. I believe we're in the last days. Man, Jesus is coming at any time. I believe that too. We're closer today to his coming than any other time in history. We are closer. But we must know and understand that the Bible clearly says that Jesus will not return until the gospel is proclaimed as a testimony to all nations. There are 7,200 people groups who are unreached with the gospel. And until the gospel gets to them, Christ is not going to come back. That's what the Bible says. So if we want Jesus to come, church, we must go. We must. We're commissioned to do this. And it's so important. And it's not like you have to go across to another nation he may be calling you to do that and if so you better obey him but he may be calling you to go across the street or to walk from one room in the house to the other and have a conversation with a child or a parent or to go across the hall at work and have a conversation with your boss or employee or to go across uh, at school and have a conversation He, he may be calling you to do that very thing he is calling you to somewhere to go and proclaim this good News. There are 72 people a day who die in this state. 72 people will die today apart from Christ. Three will die this very hour in this state apart from Christ. We had a lady come through the line not too long ago at one of our food giveaways who had never heard the good news. Never even heard of the story of Jesus. Never heard. She lives in Tennessee. That's not on her, that's on us. We're called to go. I love the picture that the scripture paints of heaven. Right? When Aaron, in Numbers 20, it says that when Aaron died, he was gathered to his people. Boy, isn't that a picture? Being gathered to your people. I think about David when his son died. He said, I'll not go to him. No, he said, he'll not come to me, but I'll go to him. In the book of Revelation, it talks about, hey, at the throne room, there's going to be every people represented from every tribe and language and nation and people gathered before the throne, worshiping the Lamb of God. Wow, what a picture that is. And for that to happen, 
The church must go. So listen, you don't need a passport to be saved. But if you're saved, you need to get a passport. (laughs) Because God may be calling you to the ends of the earth. He's certainly calling you to have a conversation with someone in your life right now. That's the first one. Jesus is sending, in other words, it's inclusive. It's inclusive in who he is sending, all of us in Christ. It's inclusive in where we're going to every place on earth. I know we have a rover on Mars right now. That may be NASA's mission, but our mission is to take this good news to every place on planet earth. It's inclusive. Here's the second message that was sent. Jesus ascending is exclusive in its scoop. Exclusive in its scoop. Now, if you're like me, I'll never hear the word scoop the same ever again. All this week, I've had playing in my head, scoop, there it is, scoop, there it is, chocolata, chocolata, chocolate, scoop. I've heard that all week. There you go. Somebody heard it. Yes. I mean, it's just, it's been in my head all week. But scoop here, I'm not referring to some utensil that, like a spoon that scoops out ice cream. I'm talking about a a piece of information, a, a piece of news that is of immediate interest. Like, have you heard the scoop? Have you heard the good news? Have you heard the gospel? It's exclusive. It is the gospel. It's not another God. The good news of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection is not just a better gospel. It's not just the best gospel. It's not just another or different gospel. It's not a cultural or social gospel. It is the only good news. It's the only gospel. It's our only hope. Jesus is our only hope. Period. So here's, here's the commission. Look what it says in verse 15. Go in all the world and what do we do? We proclaim. Somebody say proclaim. That means to herald and announce. A herald was one who would announce that, hey, the king is coming. Or a herald would announce the king's decree. The herald never one time shared his opinion about the decree. Or gave his opinion about the coming of the king. Sometimes we hear news reporters that will report their opinion about the news. That is not what we're called to do. We're not called to share our opinion about the good news. We're to announce the good news, to proclaim it, make it known. That's a good way to think of it. Make known the good news. Proclaim, and look at this. I love the article, the the in front of the word gospel means it is exclusive. It's only one. It's not proclaim a gospel, just pick one and proclaim it. No, it's the gospel. What is the gospel? Pastor friend of mine explained the gospel this way. I said, man, that's so good. So I'm going to explain it to you the way he did. There's 4,200 religions in our world today. 4,200. 4,000. 200 world religions. Buddhism, Hinduism, Mormonism, Judaism, Spiritism, Sikhism, and a whole bunch of other isms, and some that aren't isms. World religions. And these world religions all teach the same thing. That is, we're messed up. We're messed up. And there is either a God or there are gods. 
that if we do this or if we do that, if we pray this or we pray that, if we check this or we check that, if we chant this or we chant that, if we merit this or merit that, then maybe we can reach up to this God or gods and just maybe, maybe they'll accept us. Every world religion, that's what they teach, period. The gospel is so different. (laughs) It is so good. And it is so different. My pastor friend said, listen, we're we're dead spiritually in our sin. Amen? Apart from Christ, we're dead spiritually. The last time I went to a funeral, the the body that that, that, that was dead did not move. It didn't move. It was dead. Dead people don't move. Spiritually dead people can't reach up. We can't reach up. We're dead. So the good news is, the gospel is, not that we reach up to God, but our great God loved us so much that he came down to us. My pastor friends say like this, God took a mission trip to earth. He came to us, and he lived a perfect, sin-free life. He lived the life we could never live, that you could never live, and I could never live. And the people he came to love, they drug him out of the city, and they put a crown of thorns, they pushed it down on his head, and they, they, they spit in his face, and they nailed his hands and feet to the cross, and those nails that were nailed into his hands and feet, that should have been us. And the crown of thorns, that should have been you. And the spit in the face, that should have been me. And he took our place. He took our spot on the cross and he died. He took his body off the cross. They put him in a tomb. And it was a borrowed tomb because he didn't need it but just a few days. (laughs) And then on the third day, he did what any and every world religion could never do. He did what you and I can never do. He did what Lazarus couldn't do. He did what Buddha couldn't do and Joseph Smith couldn't do and and, and Muhammad couldn't do. He came out of that tomb alive, breathing alive. He's alive today. This is incredibly good news. This is the gospel, and it's very exclusive. It is in Christ alone, Jesus alone. I was going through the drive-thru and I ordered two junior breakfast burritos with egg and cheese only. Right? Somebody say only. 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 And the lady repeated the order back and she said, okay, that's two junior breakfast burritos with egg, cheese, and onions. I said, no, not onions. You heard my wife over there go, ah, Tanya hates onions. Not onions, but Only. Egg and cheese only. I said, okay. And, and you know, when we hear the exclusivity of the gospel, when we hear and when we say, yes, those 4,200 world religions are wrong. They may be sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. There's no hope in any of that. They have no hope. No hope. And when we say that and when we hear that, It feels like we're biting into an onion. 
the only, that Jesus is the only way, feels like sometimes I'm biting into an onion and it, it makes us cry, it makes us, it's hard to swallow. When we think about all these people that all they've ever known are these world religions and that's all they've ever been taught, that's all they've ever known and you're telling me that if they never trust in Christ, they're going to hell. Yes, that is the gospel. It's terribly sad, and it feels like we're biting into an onion when we say that and when we hear that. But let's back up a little bit and think, man, this good news is not biting into an onion. This good news, we don't need to focus on, hey, in a negative way that Jesus is the only way. We need to focus on this good news like we're biting into a watermelon. Because it's not that Jesus, man, he's the only way. The truth is, praise God, there's any way at all. God is not obligated to save you. And he's not obligated to save me. He chose to send his son because he loved us so much to save us. The gospel is, it's one text. The Bible, it's one, it's not two or three. It's not the Bible plus what men say. It's not the Bible plus what so-and-so says or believes. It's the Bible. One text. The gospel is one message. Jesus and him crucified. It is one goal. God's glory in the salvation of sinners. It's exclusive in its scoop. J.C. Ryle said it like this. I love this. A converted man will not wish to go to heaven alone. We shouldn't wish to go there alone. I think about, I, I, I was studying and praying the day. I got to thinking about Cain and Abel. Cain killed his brother Abel. First death we see in Genesis. And I'm thinking, man, did Abel go to heaven by himself? <laughs> was it empty when he went there? We need to have a passion to see heaven more populated. Amen? That's, that's, that's a good, good way to live. Hey, I'm living to see heaven more populated. So why don't we do this? Well, Evangelism should be happening everywhere. It should be happening every day. It should be happening even now. And the only method evangelism does not work is the one that you don't try. That's it. Man, you got to get out there and talk to people about the gospel. There are no good reasons to not share the gospel today. There are plenty of good reasons to share it today. And we say, well, it's not safe. Again, Jesus has not called us to play it safe. Pastor James Coates, pastor of Grace Life Church in Edmonton, Canada, has been arrested, led off in shackles, ankles, and, and wrist cuffs. He, he, there, he can be released. The condition of his release is this. The condition of his release is that he cannot preach the gospel anymore. You have to stop preaching the gospel. We'll let you go. First Canadian pastor to be jailed for holding a church service. Hear me well, church. This is in Canada. Okay? It's coming south in my lifetime. In your lifetime, we will see in the land of the free and the home of the brave, we will see pastors arrested for preaching the gospel. Preaching the exclusivity of Christ and Christ alone. That's going to happen in this country in our lifetime. It's coming. It's not safe. Yeah, it's not safe. Jesus has not called us to play it safe. Let, let me remind you of this, though. In the midst of all that, let me remind you of this. Now, pastor Coates' wife was asked yesterday. They had a rally for the pastor, and she was asked, his wife was asked, what can we do to support y'all? And this is what she said. 
Here's what she said. Here's how you can support us. Open your churches. Sing your heart out in worship. Preach the word. Share the gospel. That's how you can support us. So here's the good news. The the good news is that although a ship is safe in the harbor, ships were not built to be in the harbor. (laughs) We were made to go. And the the good news is, even in this text, if you look at the very end of this chapter, the last verse 20, it says this, and they went out and preached everywhere. They went out and preached everywhere. They went out and preached everywhere. And while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. What does that tell us? That the Lord was with them. Uh, In in Matthew it tells us, and lo, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's the good news. We're not going at it alone. The Lord is with us. It's exclusive. His sending is in its scoop. Number three, last one. The sending is conclusive in its score. There's a final score. And the final score is those who believe will be saved. Those who do not believe will be condemned. And that's the final score. And it's conclusive in its score. Jesus says few will be won, W-O-N, and many will be lost. Some will believe. Some will not believe. That's the final score. That's all that matters. We just sang a song. I believe. Do you believe? Jesus asked Lazarus' family. He said, I'm the resurrection and life. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Here's how he says it in verse 16. Look at this. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. I love the word whoever. You know why? Because that includes me. (laughs) And that includes you. And that includes everybody who's ever lived on this earth. Whoever Whoever believes, and the word believe, what a great word. It means to put faith into. It means to put trust into. It means to exercise your faith. See, being amazed at God and having faith in God are completely different. Being amazed at what Jesus is doing is not the same as having faith in Jesus who is doing it. It's not the same. You can be amazed at people who may skydive or people who may ride this crazy ride at the amusement park that you'd never ride. And you can stand there all day and watch it and just be amazed. I'm amazed at these people who are being flung around like shooting out of a rubber band or something. I'm amazed at this. But until you put your rear end in the seat, you're not putting your faith in that machine, right? (laughs) So many people were amazed and marveled at what Jesus did in the Gospels, but few put their faith in him. So this is what this means. Whoever believes in him, puts their trust in him, they will be saved. Our our requirement for salvation on our part is faith in Jesus. We are not saved by esteeming Jesus. We're not saved by pointing people to Jesus. We're not saved by heralding Jesus. We're not saved by tweeting about Jesus. We're saved by putting our faith in and on Jesus. That's how we're saved. Well, what about baptism? Doesn't it say here that you have to be baptized to be saved? Is that what this is saying? No, it's not. This is right in line with Matthew's great commission. Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them. Right in line with that. The the section here, one theme here is belief and unbelief. Remember, we read earlier in verse 14 that Jesus rebuked them for they did not believe because of their unbelief. 
and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he'd risen. The disciples didn't believe the women when they came and told them, Jesus is alive, he's risen. They didn't believe them. So Jesus rebukes them about that. This is about belief. Those who believe will be saved. Yes, it says those who believe and are baptized will be saved. But notice what it says on the back end of that verse. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. It doesn't say whoever does not believe and is not baptized will be condemned. Why? Because faith always comes before baptism. We're not baptized to be saved. We're baptized because we are saved. You don't have to be baptized to be saved, but you have to be saved to be baptized. This is right in line there. And I love this picture. Listen to what it says. Whoever believes and baptized will be saved. You know, in college sports, they have this fairly new thing they call a transfer portal where athletes can jump from one school to the next school. In Colossians, it talks about God's transfer portal, that we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness <laughs> to, the, to the kingdom of light. That we've been transferred from the kingdom of, of darkness to the, to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Like God has a transfer portal. And, and when you put your faith in Him, and, and immediately, effective immediately, what happens is you are put on God's team. You're adopted into God's family immediately. You go through God's transfer portal. So let me ask you, are you a believer? Do you believe that? Do you believe what you hear? Because faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So you've heard the word of Christ. Do you believe that in your heart between you and the Lord? Not between me and you, but between you and the Lord. Do you believe this? Have you trusted Christ? Have you taken that step of faith and trusted in him? Because here's what happens if you don't. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. The word condemned means to be rendered guilty. It's, It's a guilty verdict that is rendered. So Christ didn't come into a world not yet guilty and not yet condemned to save it. He came into a world that was already guilty, already condemned. Because those apart from Christ, were, when you were apart from Christ, if you're not now, you were condemned already because you didn't believe in the name of God's only Son. You didn't believe in Jesus. So those that don't are condemned already. Jesus came to save, not to condemn He's come to deliver and take our guilt upon himself on the cross and save us. Apart from Christ, we're already condemned. But in Christ, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None, church. See, you were born to be reborn. You were created to believe not in yourself, but to believe in someone greater than yourself. That's why you were created. So if you believe, according to this text, you will be saved. If you don't believe, you won't be saved. You can't be saved unless you believe. If you have believed and are saved, have you been baptized? Is your baptism out of order? We'd love to schedule you for baptism. I've had some of your parents come to me and say, hey, my kid's ready to talk to you about baptism. Well, let us know. Text the word water to 79969. I'd love to have a conversation with them about baptism or with you about baptism. So if that's something you're thinking about, text the word water W-A-T-E-R to 79969. We'd love to baptize you. If you've yet to put your faith in Christ, you can do that right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer in a moment where you can put your faith and trust in Jesus alone. 
You know, this text reminded me today that, hey, we are good at sinning, church. You know that? (laughs) We are really good at sinning. But Jesus is even better at saving. Amen? Yes! And once saved and you sin, the Lord is just. And if you admit your sin and confess your sin, He'll forgive your sin. And you're forgiven forever in Christ. What good news this is. So church, hey, again, we must go. We're called, we're sent. Jesus sends us. Think about it. He sent Abraham. Remember this? Abraham who believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. God sent Abraham to a land of unbelievers. God sent the beggar who was blind physically to other beggars who were blind spiritually. Jesus sent The church in Acts to act like the church among the unchurched. Hello, church. (laughs) Jesus sent the made disciples to do one thing. Make disciples. That's what he's sending. He sent Philip, the, the, the evangelist, to the Ethiopian eunuch. He did not send the eunuch to Philip. He sent Philip to the eunuch. Jesus sent the fishermen from the Sea of Galilee to fish for men in the Sea of Humanity. He sends us. He sent the keys of the kingdom to the kin of the king. We have the keys. We have the gospel message that sets people free. That's what the keys of the kingdom are. It's the gospel. Jesus sent Jonah to Nineveh. He did not send Nineveh to Jonah. He sent Jonah to Nineveh. He sent Luke to the lukewarm. He sent Mary to the many. He sent Moses to the most. He sent Paul the apostle to to, to Priscilla and Aquila. He sent the Samaritan woman to the Samaritans in her Samaritan village. Why? Because he sends us. And he's still sending today. Today he's sending the awakened, us who have been awakened by the gospel in Christ. He sends the awakened to the woke. He sends believers to unbelievers. He sends the church to the unchurched. He sends the reached to the unreached and the engaged to the unengaged. He sends the righteous to the unrighteous. He sends the heaven bound to the hell bound. He's sending us today. He's sending you today. Where's he sending you? That's between you and the Lord. But I know this. He has already hit sin and you are already sinned. Father, in the name of Jesus.